So we'll read something from Rumi, Hidden Music. <clears throat> Your generosity is vaster than the sea. It does not wait for tomorrow. No need to ask you for anything. Does anyone ever ask the sun for light? All right. Sharing. Oh, you want me to do it first? I guess so. <laughs> That's different. Well, it was interesting because when I was in meditation, I kept popping in and out. I wasn't in the body just paying attention. And I kept going up to these different places, different realities, and Realizing that a lot of people live their lives in the world and have no idea who they are as soul, who they are as, as divine, and, and really are lost in this level. But their soul is still very active, still very much doing and present in many ways about their own divinity, but it just gets lost as it gets down into these physical regions. And I realize that that happens to all of us from time to time if not all the time, that we don't allow ourselves to stay focused inward and upward, to be able to stay awake and to maintain a truer sense of identity as soul first, as loving first. And so as I was going to some of these places and looking to see what was taking place, I came across several people that were more awake and attentive. And I went up to one and I asked, I said, so what is it that you do that makes you so much more awake and aware than some of the ones I'm meeting. And, and they said, well, one, you know, I do meditate in the physical form, and I'm ever meditating up here. And my first focus is on God. My first focus is in loving God. And my next focus is in allowing God's loving in to really manifest in me however it wishes. And... As we were talking, other people started to gather around in a very wonderful way of just listening to this man speak and share about his own personal expression. And I said to him after we finished, I said, so do you share up here a lot with other people? And he said, no, I've never spoken a word up here. And I said, well, I think it just changed. And I think that um, uh, we need to pay attention and find those teachers in the world that really are sharing the wisdom for us here. And it's not just Brian and I as spiritual teachers in Interlight Ministries or other spiritual teachers as head of different groups, but it's also about just the individual people in our lives and realize that everyone is present in our life for a reason. There's no coincidences in God's flow of life. And so if we can begin to look and see and listen and hear and participate and realize that there are a lot of people out here in the world that can be good teachers to us as we can be good teachers to them without realizing that we are doing just that. By our own personal experience, we can share with others about possibly insights, clarity, understanding about where they are. And if we will listen carefully, we might begin to hear from others some information, some understanding, some clarity for our own situation and not just feel like we're stuck and we have to do it this way or that way, or I'm alone, 
or that I have to do it according to what the spiritual teachers say. It's not just about that. It's about really us looking to see where is the truth for us because it's all around. It's not just in one place. But in truth, the greatest truth resides in ourselves. So if we can spend time in meditation every day, we can begin to connect to that inner truth inside and begin to bring that truth into our consciousness to participate with us in our journey in the outer focus as well as on the inner. So one key is meditation for the greatest action of awakening to take place, for us to truly awake on all the different realms and to be able to live on all the different realms more consciously and participate with life more fully by having all that awareness coming present to walk with us, to be with us, and for us to do with that as we will. But there's other ways by which to do it too. And one way that I remembered as, as I was going through all this is in elementary school, I was trying my best to grab a hold of the things the teacher was trying to teach and share. And I was very slow at reading. It took me a, a while to really grasp and read well. And that made it a little harder for me to learn as I was going through first, second, third grade. And when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher who uh, was really very, very smart, but also very wise. And she was very able to teach the students with simplicity, with clarity, and to have the patience to sit with each of us as we needed it and spend time to bring us up to to par, if you will. And I also realized that she listened to us. And so one day she was working with me on some math stuff. And um, I already understood it, but I just didn't know I understood it. Have you ever been in that position before? You think you're confused when really you're not? And so as she was sitting there going over these things with me, um, she was asking me some questions that had nothing to do with math. And all of a sudden I asked her, I said, why are you asking me these questions? What, what does that have to do with what we're, what we're looking at here? And she said, well, I'm just curious. I want to learn from you as you're learning from me. And it's a two-way street. And if I'm just giving you information, I'm not really getting value out of it. I need to get value out of it for myself. So I'm always looking to see, well, what is it I can learn from you in any given moment while we're in conversation and make it really a a participation both ways and not just me being the teacher or me teaching you. And I said, what is it that I can teach you? What, is, what can you learn from me? And she said, well, there's a lot of things you can teach me, how to be playful, how to be joyful, how to remember to stay in those places of playfulness and joyfulness, how to be more innocent again in my life. And all these things, she just started rattling off. And I was kind of amazed and I said, so I'm teaching you this. She says, well, you don't teach it to me. You remind me of it. Just like I'm really reminding you about what you already know. And, and I felt kind of funny when she said that. I, I said, so do you think I already know this? She says, Jim, I know you already know this. But if I can help you to rem remember and to remind you that you do know it and to feel more comfortable in what you know, then uh, I'm willing to take time to do it. And so... After that, I began to put this more into practice and learn to participate with people in my life a little bit more, to listen to them as well as to share. 
And that's where a lot of my wisdom started coming forward, even at an early age. And uh, uh, as I went further along, I, I learned a lot from my teachers because I learned to talk with them, to share with them, to listen to them, and let them share with me more in a very personal way. And then I began to do this more with my family members. But I, I put it in practice first with the teachers for some reason at school. So you might begin to look and see, well, where is a safe place for you to participate in conversation with people in a new and unique way that maybe you haven't done before? Maybe you've talked to people, maybe you've told people, but, and maybe you've even listened to people, but maybe you haven't participated with someone in a way that you really get into a deeper conversation, a friendly conversation, where you both are sharing and learning and participating with each other at a deeper level. Then I began to do that with God. And I realized that as I was doing this in the world, I needed to begin to do it in the inner because the inner was where the truth of all truths lie. And if you don't apply these skills and abilities to the inner, then you're really not going to have the enriched life that you're looking for spiritually. So I began to develop this quality with God rather than just talking to God or sharing with God about my day like I used to do as a child, which I called prayer, I began to share with God, but also to listen, to pay attention to what did God have to share with me? What could God tell me? And that's when I began to realize that it is a two-way street, even with God. And God is more than willing to share with us, to give us information, to give us guidance and clarity, to bring us into positions and into places and experiences if we will allow that to happen. And my whole life just began to open and blossom in, in wonderful ways as I began to have this movement of sharing and participation both in the world with people but also with God. And I found that in my process of sharing with God, all of a sudden I realized I was also becoming aware of my own soul and sharing with my soul. And it was at that time that I realized that the first level of God that we really come in contact with, anytime, whether we're doing a meditation practice or not, whether we're going to church or not, or whatever it might be that might begin to serve us to search for God and to, to come into touch with that, that divinity within, is our own soul, because the soul is that aspect of God that is us. We, as soul, are the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. And if we can begin to realize that and allow ourselves to wake up to that, own, that our own personal God that dwells within us at the seat of the soul, then we can begin to truly have communication with God in a wonderful way. And so as I began later at 18, 19, 20, sharing with people about my own experience, about my own search, about my own quest, I began to listen to people about their process. And a lot of times people were demanding of God, wanting of God, needing of God, not believing in God. It was just all these different things. And they could understand that part about what I was saying about communication with people and listening as well as sharing. But when it came to God, a lot of people had a lot of issues around that, unworthiness, disbelief, whatever it might be. And so that's when I began to share with people 
whether you're not whether you believe in God or not, whether you feel you're worthy of God's loving or not, you know, do these things and just see. Give it a try. And see if you don't begin to see some change. That's why I often say in in sharing about meditation, you know, don't sit and wait until you feel the love for God to be able to share it with God. Just share God your loving with God. And it can just be a lot of words at first. It can be just a verbal communication. No feeling, no sense of reality, no truth to it. But you're doing it. And once you put the energy into motion, things will stir inside. And that loving will come alive in you that has to do with your soul loving the divine. And you beginning to wake up to where the divine dwells within you. So I know that it is a very simple process, even though it sometimes seems complicated, to sit down in meditation, to look inside, to hold your attention here at the seat of the soul, to begin to allow yourself to wake up into that presence of the divine within. It sounds complicated, but it is the simplest thing you will ever do because it's the most natural. And it's the thing that your soul is longing for. Your soul is longing to wake up to wake up out of this state of sleep that has been caught up in in this world for so long. It is wanting to wake up. And all we have to do is give it the opportunity to do so, to wake up out of this dream and into the truth once again, which is soul, which is spirit, which is loving, and out of the dream that these physical realms hold us in. So maybe that's the challenge. It's to let go of the dream, let go of the unreal, and to step into the real. But if we will do that daily in our meditation, we will begin to see for ourselves the truth. And I've had people over the years, and I know some of you here and some uh, who are initiates in ILM, could state this is true. That in the beginning they didn't know how to love God, or what loving really is, or how to move that. And it was just by doing it, just by saying it, in the meditation daily, that it began to come alive. And that's for initiates and non-initiates, because before I started initiating people, years ago in San Antonio, people were having many similar experiences, not to the depth of somebody who carries with them the sacred name and that flow of grace, but they began to experience the connection, that connection to their own soul, that connection to the divine within. And that gave them a sense of greater purpose, of greater direction, of greater meaning in their life. And I found that once I had that connection inside myself, it was easy to share it with others. But it was others, it was up to others to really do the work. I can't do the work for you. No one in the world can do the work for you. Ultimately, if you want the results, you have to do the work. Isn't that true for everything? If you want good grades in school, you've got to do the work. Yeah, you could buy the test from somebody and get all the answers and pass. But then when you go out to get the job, can you really do the work? Unless you do the work in class, you're not going to really be able to do the work in the world. So it really is a process of we have to do what we have to do to get the results we want. 
If we want to be joyful in life, then what do we have to do? We have to find those places where joy resides, where joy is already present, whether it be in laughter or humor or fun or play or just somebody who lives in their joyful nature and be in that with them. Find a way to move into that. Learn how they do it. Learn what it is to laugh. Learn what it is to make jokes. Learn what it is to be playful. Learn what it is to move into that joyful place. And it is our own effort that brings about the result. And so it is in meditation. It's through our effort. But the effort isn't a struggle. It isn't something of a physical nature. It is loving. That's the effort we bring forward. So if we begin to realize that and look at that and do that on a daily basis, whether we believe in loving, whether we feel the loving, it will come alive in us. And we will begin to experience it. And then we can begin to make that connection with the divine inside of ourselves. And then you can begin to have that true one-on-one communication, just like I was talking about that I gained as a child with my teachers, I began to have with God. And once you have that connection going, once that communication is going, God will not stop talking. We just have to keep paying attention. And I realized as I was waking up into this more and more that in truth, God has always been present with us. God has never, never left us abandoned in our journey from the moment the soul came into being to now and on in to whatever is next. God has always been present and will be present, walking with us, directing us, loving us, accepting us, just as we are, just as we're choosing to live our lives. If we want to stay awake and be a part of the world and just do the world, God's right there with us, allowing us to do that because that's where our lessons are. And if we feel that we have learned the lessons of the world and it's time to do something different, God is right there waiting for us to turn towards the truth and out of the illusion and to begin a new part of the journey. It is just up to us. The other key to that is to follow your longing. There's a longing inside of us that is ever, ever pulling us, pushing us, calling us, directing us. For many, the longing is in the world. Their path and their activity in life is still going down and out into the world to do the world, to learn from the world, to experience. And so they're going to follow their longing into the world. And that's just wonderful. But then there is a time when that longing shifts and turns inward and upward. And then it's up to us to begin to let go of old patterns of going into the world to fulfill the longing and begin the new part of the journey and follow the longing once again and realize that it's now pulling us inside. You may find at first the fact that we're getting more quiet. When we're in the world and we're with people, we're not so boisterous, we're not so involved, we're not so active in the things that they are active in or involved in. We just feel a little bit more reserved, pulled back, participating with ourselves more and not looking out into the world so much. That's the beginning of the energy leaving the world and being 
drawn in to go within, to go inward and upward, to begin to wake up to the greater truth of who we are as soul and to begin the next part of the journey of life. It's all one journey. It's all one journey. There's no one journey and then another, one action and then another. It's a continual flow. Once the soul comes into manifestation out of God's loving and into being, it is a continual movement, a continual flow. And there is no breaks in it. There is no turnaround point. There is just a movement of divine awakening from the point of the of birth of the soul, if you will, or the moment the soul came into being, all the way through until we return home to God. It's just a one-moment consciousness of being. So then, why is it that we feel separated? Why is it that we feel stuck? Why does it feel like it's taking for eternity to wake up? Why couldn't it be something so easy? It's because we're split. It's because we're divided. It's because we don't know for sure where to put our trust, where to put our faith, because we haven't come awake yet into the spirit of who we are in soul to really know its truth, to sense its presence, and to live it fully. And we do know the world. We have come around to trusting it and believing it and following it and chasing after it. And we're not sure if we want to let go of that. But it is a matter of letting go of one to get a hold of the other. It would be great if you could have both. But I have found for myself anyway in my journey that as you begin to move towards that inner divine awakening that there is that release, that detachment from the world to go inside. And so you may find for yourself that at times you're split that the world is calling you, the world is pulling on you, the world is demanding of you. And it's a matter of you staying focused and centered inside yourself to allow yourself to begin the process of awakening to something new about yourself. Does that all make sense? It's important to understand that the journey is the journey is the journey. It never changes. It's always the same. It's about movement of the soul into experience to have the opportunity for that which is God within us to come awake to new opportunity, to new adventure, to new understanding so that God becomes knowing of God's self in all levels of creation, in all manifestations, it's very interesting because the soul, when it is in the realms of soul and spirit, it knows itself to be infinite and it dwells in a place of loving and peace and joy continually. And it knows that that is its state of being for infinite infinity, not for a time period. But when the soul gets down into these realms, and takes on the mind, the soul doesn't know about the finite, but the mind does. The mind knows it has a finite time to have experience with the soul and to give soul the opportunity of experience. 
and it knows it has a finite time by which it can control and hold on to the soul to keep it anchored here. And after a while, we begin to believe in the finite rather than the infinite for ourselves. And it's beginning to wake up to the infinite once again while we're even in the body that can make a big difference in how we approach life and how we live life. And if you can begin to hold your awareness to that infinite that is dwelling within you and live in that rather than getting caught up in these finite things. And what am I relating to? When you listen to the news and you listen to the disturbances that are going on in the world and it begins to stir inside of you, that which stirs inside of you is that finite part of you. That finite part that is the physical self, the physical, the imaginational, the emotional, the mental, the unconscious. All those parts are finite and not infinite. And anything that stirs in the world that causes fear stirs inside of us at those levels and causes fear or a dynamic of concern about the finite nature. And as long as we are caught up in the finite nature and believe it more or it only, we're going to also shake as the world shakes. We're going to shake with the same concern, with the same fear around this finite quality of self. But when we begin to wake up to the infinite self, that divine self, that soul self, and begin to realize the real truth of who we are, then we begin to live in that knowing of the infinite, which is the loving nature. Loving is infinite. Loving is ever-moving. And we as soul, that living, loving essence of God, that is our nature. That is our way of being. And if we begin to wake up into that, then these finite things down here that are taking place and keep shaking the world and try and attempt to shake us will not shake us to the core like it has in the past. And we can begin to live life differently. And the way that takes place is that in meditation, as we begin to go within, we begin to discover a new part of ourselves, that loving quality, which is the neutrality, which is the core of our being at the center of our soul. And it begins to allow us to withdraw from the polarities of this world, <laughs> those polarities of the positive and the negative that shake us, that rattle us, that concern us, that draw us, that hold us, that trap us. And we can be neutral to those two polarities of the world, which is the loving. We can be in loving with it and be neutral to it, and we can be free. No longer does the world hold a bondage on us. No longer are we trapped into it. We begin to detach from it and to begin to move freely from it. We can still be in the world, but not of the world anymore. And the simplest way to do that is meditation. You know, this pathway of initiation is a threefold pathway. It's meditation, self-study, and service. The meditation is the key factor. It will allow us to truly wake up quickly 
and liberate the soul quickly from this creation. But there are those that have more challenge with confronting themselves in meditation and having to look inside and deal with whatever that is that has created separation between them and God, their own judgments, their fears, their anger, their frustration, whatever it might be. And so then the other aspect is self-study. And this means doing what I've talked about often, keeping journals about your own inner experience, your own outer experience, your thoughts, your feelings, your attitudes, and begin to understand who you really are in the midst of all of this and begin to pick out the pieces of the truth of you so you can begin to define and know yourself more clearly and to do the self-study work. There are places in the world where you can go get certain trainings of understanding about your own personal self, the personal self at the physical level as well as in the spirit. So doing self-study in all different ways can be a lot of help, just as we do on the retreats. Those are times of both meditation and self-study. And then there's the action of service. What is the first service but to self through meditation? What is the second service that is, again, to ourselves by taking care of ourselves physically, paying attention to that? Then the third service, ah, I'm having a hard time talking, third service is to your mate and to your children is the fourth, to your family is the fifth, and on out. But oftentimes, when we are not following this action of self-study, meditation, service, we begin to find ourselves doing service in the world first. And that's where we really hurt ourselves. Because we're giving of ourselves to others before we give to ourselves. And Jesus said something very wise that I don't think a lot of people often pay attention to and really listen It's to love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, I've seen people when I was involved in in churches go out and immediately begin to love their neighbor, do for their neighbor, be there for them, but never do that for themselves. They were never loving of themselves. They were never loving and taking care and nurturing for themselves. They were always just doing it for their neighbor because what they thought Jesus said was, love thy neighbor. But the key is, is to love yourself first, to wake up to that loving inside so that when you do go out and be of service to others, it really is that flow of your loving and not expectation that something good is going to come out of it because you're doing these things in the world called good good works. Yes, some things will come out of it very well. People will be happier. Things will be getting done. But will it fulfill you? Will it liberate your soul? Will you be happier for it? That is something you would have to find out. I tried it. When I was a child and I was growing up and I would visit all these different churches and hear all these things that people would talk about, service, missionary work, all of this. I wanted to do that. I thought, That was a way to earn my way to God, to earn my way to heaven, to 
make up for all the things I might have done wrong in the world. Even though I was only seven or eight years old, I was still following what they said, and so I was going to do it that way. And so I began to to do things that I could in the world to be of service, to help people. Even up into my teens, when I would go and volunteer in hospital work and do that. But I realized around 16, 17, 18 years old that I was still missing something. I was still longing for something. And even though I was following the longing, both into the world as well as inside, I wasn't fulfilling a lot of what the longing was about until I really began to allow myself to wake up more fully to the truth of loving myself, of being in loving with me rather than just in loving with God and in loving with the world and doing the loving there. It was about me loving myself as well on all the different levels and not to avoid myself, not to run away from who I am and what I am doing and my own lessons in that process. 